Chapter 11 of Rufus and Rose, or the Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 11 Mr. Martin's Wild Goose Chase. Probably nothing could have given Martin greater pleasure than this unexpected meeting with his stepchildren. He did not reflect that the pleasure might not be mutual, but determined to make himself known without delay. Hurrying forward, he placed one hand on the shoulder of Rufus, saying, Glad to see you, Rufus. What have you been up to lately? Here's Rose, too. I expect she's glad to see me. At the first sound of his voice, poor Rose began to tremble. Clinging closer to her brother, she said, Don't let him take me, Rufy. He shan't touch you, Rose, said Rufus manfully. "'You don't seem very glad to see me,' said Martin, smiling maliciously. "'That's where you're right,' said Rufus bluntly. "'We are not glad to see you. "'I suppose that don't surprise you much. "'Come along, Rose.' "'He tried to leave Martin, but Martin did not choose to be left. "'He shuffled along by the side of our hero, "'considerably to the disgust of the latter, "'who was afraid he might fall in with some acquaintance.' whose attention would be drawn to the not very respectable-looking object who had accosted him and learned the relationship that existed between them. "'You seem to be in a hurry,' sneered Martin. "'I am in a hurry,' said Rufus. "'It's late for Rose to be out.' "'That's what I was thinking,' said Martin. "'Considering that I'm her natural protector, it's my duty to interfere.' "'A pretty sort of protector you are,' retorted Rufus scornfully. "'You're an undutiful boy,' said Martin, "'to speak so to your father. "'Who do you mean? "'Ain't I your father?' "'No, you are not. "'If you were, I'd be ashamed of you. "'Mr. Martin, we haven't anything to do with each other. "'You can go your way, and I'll go mine. "'I shan't interfere with you, "'and I shan't allow you to interfere with me.' "'Ho-ho!' said Martin. "'When was you twenty-one, I'd like to know?' It doesn't make any difference when. Good night. You don't get rid of me so easy, said Martin. I'll follow you home. By this time, they had reached the corner of Broadway and Union Square. Rufus was placed in an awkward position. He had no authority to order Martin away. He might follow them home and ascertain where they lived, and probably would do so. Rufus felt that this would never do. Were their home known to Mr. Martin, he would have it in his power to lie in wait for Rose and kidnap her as he had done once before. He would never feel easy about his little sister under these circumstances. Yet what could he do? If he should quicken his pace, Martin would do the same. What do you want to follow us for? he asked. What good is it going to do you? Don't you trouble yourself about that, said Martin, exalting our hero's evident perplexity. Considering that you two are my children, I may want to come see you sometime. Here Rose began to cry. She had always been very much afraid of Martin and feared now that she might fall into his hands. Don't cry, Rose, said Rufus soothingly. He shan't do you any harm. Maybe he won't if you treat him well, said Martin. Look here, Rufus. I'm hard up, dead broke. Haven't you a dollar to spare? Are you going to follow us? Maybe I won't if you'll give me a dollar. I can't trust you, said Rufus suspiciously. I'll tell you what he added after a little thought. Go up to Madison Park and sit on one of those seats, and I'll come up in a half an hour 
or three quarters at most, and give you the dollar. Do you think I'm so green? sneered Martin. I might stop there all night without seeing you. All you want is a chance to get away without my knowing where. No, said Rufus. I'll do what I promise, but you must go up there now and not follow us. That don't go down, said Martin. You don't catch a weasel asleep. Well, said Rufus coolly, you can do just as you please. If you accept my offer, you shall have a dollar inside of an hour. If you don't, you won't get a penny. Still Martin was not persuaded. He felt sure that Rufus meant to mislead him, and, being unreliable himself, he put no confidence in the promise made by our hero. He prepared to follow him home, as the knowledge of where Rose lived would probably enable him to extort more than a dollar from the fear and anxiety of Rufus, so he repeated, That don't go down! You ain't quite smart enough to take me in. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to find out where you live. Better give him the dollar now, Rufus, suggested Miss Manning, who felt nearly as anxious as Rose. No, said Rufus decidedly. I shan't gain anything by it. As soon as he got the money, he'd follow us all the same. What will you do? asked Miss Manning anxiously. You'll see, said Rufus composedly. He had been busily thinking, and a plan had suggested itself to his mind, which he thought offered probably the best way out of the difficulty. He reflected that probably Mr. Martin, judging from his appearance, was penniless, or nearly so. He therefore decided to jump on board a horse car and thus elude him. When they reached the corner of University Place, a car was seen approaching. Rufus hailed it. "'Are we going to ride?' asked Rose. "'Yes, Rose, and now, whatever I do, I want you to keep perfectly still and say nothing. Will you promise?' "'Yes, Rufy.' Rufus exacted this promise, as Rose might unconsciously, by some unguarded exclamation, betray the very knowledge which he was anxious to conceal. Martin fathomed the purpose of our hero and determined not be balked. He had five cents which had just been given him out of charity at the door of the academy, and, though the fare on the horse cars was one cent more, he thought he might make it do. Accordingly, he got into the car after Rufus. I couldn't bear to leave such agreeable company, he said with a leer. Horse cars are free, I believe. I believe they are, said Rufus. I wonder how much money he's got, thought our hero. I guess I can drain him after a while. The conductor came along, and Rufus paid for Miss Manning and Rose, as well as himself. Martin was hanging on a strap nearby. Your fare, said the conductor. Martin plunged his hand into his pocket and drew out five cents. He plunged his hand in again and appeared to be hunting about for the extra penny. I declare, he said. I believe I've lost the other cent. Won't five cents do? Couldn't let you ride under six cents, said the conductor. It's against the rules. I can't see where it is, said Martin, hunting again. I'll pay the other penny, said a gentleman sitting near. Thank you, sir, said Martin. Very much obliged to you. I'm a poor man, but it's on account of some undutiful children that I have spent all my money on, and now they begrudge their poor father a few pennies. He looked at Rufus, but our hero did not see fit to apply the remark to himself, nor, considering that he used to help support Martin, did he feel any particular remorse. If Martin had been a more respectable-looking object, if his nose had been a trifle less red, and his whole appearance less suggestive of intemperate habits, the remark he had let fall might have stirred some of his listeners to compassion. 
but no one to look at him would wonder much at a want of filial affection towards such a father so though he looked around to notice the effect hoping that he might elicit some sympathy which should take a pecuniary form he perceived that his appeal had fallen upon stony ground nobody seemed particularly impressed and the hope of a contribution from some compassionate listener faded out rufus was a witness of this scene and of course it enabled him to fathom martin's resources he congratulated himself that they were so speedily exhausted he did not get out when the car reached waverley place for obvious reasons but kept on till they came to bleecker street rose was about to express surprise but a look from rufus checked her at bleecker street he signaled to the conductor to stop the latter obeyed the signal and our hero got out followed not only by rose and miss manning but as might have been expected also by martin you don't get rid of me so easy said the latter triumphantly don't i asked rufus coolly are you going to follow me still martin answered in the affirmative with an oath then said rufus coolly i'll give you all the following you want to do a car bound in the opposite direction was approaching rufus hailed it and it came to a stop martin who had not been anticipating this move stopped a moment staring crestfallen at rufus but recovering himself quickly jumped on the platform resolved to try his luck rufus paid his fare martin didn't volunteer to pay his but looked steadily before him hoping that he might escape the conductor's observation but the latter was too sharp for that fair he said all right said martin plunging his hand into his pocket of course he drew out nothing as he anticipated i declare he said i believe i haven't any money with me then get off couldn't you let me off this time asked martin insinuatingly i'm a poor man so am i said the conductor bluntly you must get off isn't there any gentleman that'll lend a poor man six cents asked martin looking round but nobody seemed disposed to volunteer assistance and martin was compelled reluctantly to jump off but he didn't give up yet the car didn't go so fast but that he could keep up with it by running it chafed him that rufus should get the better of him and he ran along on the sidewalk keeping the car continually in sight he's running said miss manning looking out what a determined man he is i'm afraid he'll find us out i'm not afraid said rufus he'll get tired of running by the time we get to central park shall you ride as far as that if necessary for about a mile martin held out but by this time he became exhausted and dropped behind the distance between him and the car gradually increased but still rufus rode on for half a mile further by this time martin was no longer in sight we'll cross over to sixth avenue he said so that martin may not see us on our return this suggestion was adopted luckily for martin had posted himself at a favorable place and was scanning attentively every returning car but he waited and watched in vain till long after the objects of his pursuit were safe and home in bed end of chapter 11 recording by valentina vicelli